Hey, podcast listeners, Ethan Millard and Alex Curie here from the Nightside Project podcast here at KSL Podcast. Get into Zen Headlines with us on the Nightside Project. Use hashtag Zen Headlines on social media to share stories that make you think, make you smile, spread love, spread joy, all those things. We'll share them on the Nightside Project podcast. One of the most popular podcasts ever. Nightside is a KSL podcast. Subscribe for free anywhere you listen to podcasts. So today's episode of Innovation and Leadership is sponsored by Skillshare. They're an online learning platform with over 22,000 classes. I looked it up. It's business and marketing and technology and design and data science and web development. You name it, they've got it. The one I'm probably most interested in taking next is by Simon Sinek, the guy with that super famous TED Talk. Um, It's about presentation essentials, and uh, I'm just a big fan of him. I think it's cool they've actually got a class by him on the platform. If you want to check that one out or any of the other ones... um, if you go to Skillshare.com slash leader, our listeners get a deal. You can get uh, two months of unlimited access for 99 cents. So you get all these 22,000 classes, uh, as much as you want for those two months for the 99 cents at uh, Skillshare.com slash leader. So one last time, Skillshare.com slash leader. Check it out. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our interview with Peter Marigold. Um, it's kind of it's kind of changed what Kickstarter was, which was meant to be this kind of quite raw, dirty environment where creative people just try try things out. And it was kind of beautiful when it started. But the internet being what it is, it gets sort of taken over by the big guns. Uh, if you missed part one, go back and learn about Formcard, the the Kickstarter campaign that he started with the uh, great success of this bioplastic. T- Peter, tell me what the plastic is again. Uh, you mean specifically the polymer? No, no, just that it's or a it's a it's a com- compostable. Ah. Um, yeah, yeah, for somebody who missed the first episode, tell give us ah, give us sure. the thirty second on the card. <laughs> Uh, so it's the it's the handy pocket-sized card of meltable bioplastic that you can use to fix and modify the world around you. Simple as that. Handy DIY craft material. Yeah, and it's awesome because it fits in your wallet and you can just drop it in a cup of really hot yeah. water and all of a sudden you're fixing something that normally you're out of luck with, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like you guys have sold so many of them. You've had such good attention from like giving people a, a scope of the success of it. Can you give them just a little bit of a scope of how well it's gone? Wow. Um, I'm not sure how you judge that. I guess how much money it made. But um, yeah, we've, we've, I'm on my 10th ton of material right now for sort of small credit card size objects. That's a lot of material. Um, 10 tons. 10 tons of material, which is quite crazy. Uh, we've got lots of molds on the go, lots of machines. Um, and yeah. Um, we're selling all over the world. Um, if there's any distributors out there in funny regions that we don't yet cover, um, get in touch. It's always interesting to speak yeah, to. Where, where? Come to you, kind of petermarigold.com yeah, or where should they you know, reach out to you? Uh, no, petermarigold.com is more from kind of my furniture and artwork. So yeah. if you drop a line, you can try peter at formcard.com or hello at formcard.com okay. and I'll pick them up. Um, but, uh, yeah, we have uh, different distributors in different regions. And that's been, you know, as a kind of artist designer, my background has been a huge learning curve, like how to work with distributors, um, what works and what doesn't work. We had the horror stories. We had 
uh, hardcore rip-offs going on and um, people trying to steal our website and setting up fake websites and, and trying to blackmail us, all kinds of stories. So it's been quite a roller coaster. Yeah, you know, Peter, you've had so many ripoffs and problems and and horror stories. Uh, can you can you give one piece of good advice uh, now that you've been through a few of those? Yeah. So some something that everyone should watch out for, particularly people doing Kickstarter, is that there are sort of fake, I guess, real but kind of underhand distributors out there looking for um, successful products, and they will buy up the domains around your product. And it's quite scary because it's really expensive to try and buy up all the domains. So I couldn't afford in, at the very start. I kind of invested everything in production and the, the formcard.com website was super expensive. So I just went for .co, formcard.co. And then these, these uh, underhand distributors around the world started setting up fake websites and contacting me and wanting to be my distributor in those regions. Um, and they would have fully rip off the whole form card website and have all of our photographs um, and then kind of, sort of strong arm me and try and force me to become their distributor. And one of them succeeded. He was very, very persuasive. And uh, but then we got into proper legal situations with uh, a guy in South Africa um, who, I, who I blew out of the water in the end. But um, yeah, so you got to watch out for that. And don't, if someone comes up to you and says like, hey, I want to be, you know, check them out first of all. Yeah, no kidding. You know, it, it's interesting, the, uh, the, extra, the extra things that come along that weren't expected, right? Yeah, 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 it's a, it's a steep learning curve. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you think about um, back to... Uh, back to some of the more fun parts or the more exciting parts. Um, when it comes yeah. to, you know, from idea to execution, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. The idea isn't the hard part yet. If yeah. you don't have a good enough idea, like proper execution on the wrong idea, doesn't do you very much good either. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. So in your mind, when it comes to a go, no go decision, you know, of, am I going to pay the price to execute this? Is this really a good enough idea to be worth all of that? pain that yeah. it takes to actually execute something what what's that how are you making that decision what's that line for you well this is this is a big difference in the old model and the new model so the old model was you invest everything into a product and you uh, you do trade shows you launch it you get your manufacturers there you get like really high quality prototypes uh, maybe even start producing it so that you've got stock for shops and you, you kind of believe in something. You really pump your whole life into it. Um, Kickstarter crowdfunding is very different to that. You have an idea. You make a good prototype, maybe not even a prototype. Maybe it's just a model. Um, you put a video together. That can cost a lot of money or it can be really cheap. But you just basically try and communicate the idea. And it is the most it's the most perfect type of market uh, research. You have... And if people like it, they place the orders and you don't have to fulfill them on the spot. You say when it's ready, you'll get your order. And there's, it's, it's amazing. And I just, um, it's the kind of model that every company had been dreaming of um, since, since the invention of products, I guess. Um, and for me these days, it's, it's, it's knowing that you, you don't have to make things and, and make millions of them. You can just try out ideas and, and, and see what people think of them. Um, uh, particularly, uh, my friend Oscar Lehamit, he runs a business called Sidekick Creatives, who who are working with Kickstarter, and they launched a platform called Quickstarter, 
Um, and you can find that if you look within Kickstarter and there's for products, for campaigns that are very cheap, quick, under 500 pounds, 500 pounds, um, and you, you have to make the video in a day on your phone. Now, you can still have a really high, you, your product can get a lot of money, but you're only asking for a small amount of money. It's this kind of quickness to it, and they're dirty campaigns. And there's something kind of pure and raw about that. And they're not, oh, you're not allowed to do any PR. That's another thing as well. So it's really just the idea, the video, and showing it to the world. And I think, I think that's a really, that's a positive move that Kickstarter are trying out. Wow. That's a different, mm. that's a different approach, right? Instead of mm, yeah. trying to do everything you can behind it to, to get the yeah. idea is, is a hundred percent on the strength of the idea. Huh. Exactly. And also like so much like Kickstarter became such a huge thing that something I talked about with Oscar at great length was um, how, how it's just been consumed by PR companies and how everyone expects their little idea to make a million dollars or $3 million or whatever, and to be the next cooler box or whatever. And um, it's kind of, it's kind of changed what Kickstarter was, which was meant to be this kind of quite raw, dirty environment where creative people just try, try things out. And it was kind of beautiful when it started, but the internet being what it is, it gets taken over by the big guns. And this quick starter platform within that, it seeks to, to readdress that that quality, that rawness. Yeah. Well, we've talked um, a lot about entrepreneurship and, and those aspects of it. I'm, I'm interested to talk a little more about, about furniture design and art and some of these things and okay. um, how you feel like, or, or you think about what you've accomplished in that realm where uh, so many, so many others have not reached your level of success and, and recognition in the galleries and the museums and, and just uh, gotten to that same level. What do you attribute, uh, what do you attribute that to, or what do you think are some of the contributing factors of, of what you were willing to do that maybe other artists weren't willing to do you know, time wise, <laughs> you know, or, what, or whatever it was. Oh God. Um, God, I can't remember. It's funny, and I've done so. God, I feel suddenly very tired as I say this. I've done so much over the years, like so many exhibitions and so many objects and so many different things now that um, I guess that must be the answer. Um, I've always thought really hard about the things that I'm making, and I, I hope it means that when I give lectures and presentations on my work and when I talk to people in galleries or talk to manufacturers or talk to different kinds of people um i'm able to really you know express what the piece is about and what i'm thinking about and, and I, sort of genuine i guess passion for, for the things that i'm making um i do care way too much about the things that i make um so I, I don't know you know what i don't know what separates one person from another well, yeah let's talk about furniture for a minute you know i okay. in art school my buddy and I decided to enter the furniture design contest at our art school and he worked at a sign shop. So he went and pressed together like hundreds of layers of cardboard and then took out bandsaws yeah. and like made our own made tables right. out of, out of right. these cardboards and built stuff, whatever. Right. And yeah. it's the first time that I actually cared about that. And we, you know, and got this great book called a thousand chairs. And mm. um, when you think about like something that is so, 
mundane in some ways and so commonplace in some ways and then so amazing other times mm. you know something that you know how many thousands and thousands of iterations of the chair have existed yet mm-hmm. every once in a while you come across a new one you're like that thing's amazing and it almost like yeah it sounds stupid to say a chair blows your mind but it d- kind of does <laughs> you're like yeah 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 go ahead i think i think you, yeah well, i think um you know i went to art school and i i have to be honest i find like 99 percent of art that i see um I, it just confuses me and just leaves me to- totally cold i have no idea i can kind of make a stab a guess at what's going on but um it's only really the sort of top you know top top pieces that i see that, that i get things from whereas when you look at craft and, and design and, and furniture and objects and just objects, um, anyone can think about an object. You know, if you're using, um, I'm looking at a soap dispenser in front of me and, you know, anybody can can push the plunger down and get soap out of it. And that's a very, very complicated emotional situation. And people uh, respond to that in a very, very complex way without realizing it. And I think, uh, for me, that was yeah, especially when, went, when it doesn't work, right? When it doesn't work. Uh, top tip for anyone: the soap dispenser I'm looking at is actually full of my fairy liquid washing up liquid, and it's brilliant. Then you only need one hand to to dispense your to wash your dishes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think for me, when I went back and studied design at, at the Royal College of Art, it was it was such a liberation where you didn't have to be overly clever about the things i'm not talking about thinking about things you didn't have to be overly clever about things and have you know art is kind of besieged by art history and um art criticism and i found it very very tiring i wasn't very good at it number one and i found it very boring as well um and and being just just when you do design you're dealing with objects and materials and and those conversations that you have with, it, with the user, the object has with the user, and you're having with the user and the material, it's very, very complex and very uh, intellectual is the wrong word. It's very, you know, emotionally complex. Um, and those conversations are happening. It's not a dumb experience. And I think, you know, I think that's why people do see a chair and they can like, like I'm really left cold by chairs. I do tables and shelves mostly. Um, but you have like complex reactions to things. And I think that's interesting and as valid as an art experience, whatever that is. Yeah. You know, again, just cause my brain is so I've, I've spent my, you know, all these years I've been pretending to be an adult have been pretty consumed with entrepreneurship, you know? Okay. And uh, it is interesting to think about that and like how many entrepreneurial ideas, cause especially when I ran my fund and we just, you know, it was just an endless stream of people coming in and asking for money. Right. And, (laughs) and they're all sure that their idea is the best, most incredible thing ever. Right. And you're like, Oh, just like the other three that were here last week, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And it, it is interesting for me to think about the, like, you know, we have such a natural bias towards our own ideas and Mm. have I really thought as hard as I could or, have I just thought hard enough to impress myself? And have exactly. I really like, have I gone out and pushed the boundaries and these things that, you know, my latest and greatest idea, which, you know, yeah. uh, I think is going to be so good. And, you know, we're coming up with new versions of our, the way we're trying to change corporations and organizations and trying to make it so people uh, 
you know, so corporate training actually works instead of people just yeah. sitting through a two day seminar and then, you know, yeah. they're all excited. Then the sugar highways wears off and two months later, nothing's different. Right. And, yeah. and so we, we think we've cracked these codes and we we're tapping into some of the latest brain science. And it is true that it's different and we're getting different responses, but does that really mean I've, I've pushed myself as hard as I could? Does it re like, am I giving myself mm. a pass because it's my idea or have I really mm. gone out to the competition, not from a perspective mm. of patting myself on the back of how great myself, uh, patting yeah. myself on the back for how great I am and how smart I am, but instead asking like, you know, objectively and critically, like really just how much better is it actually, you know, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and uh, maybe continuing can, to push myself. You, you can easily fall in love with, with your own ideas. It's, it's a real problem. I think, I think we can all... You know, it's only sort of a year later when you look back at something and you think, my God, what was I thinking? Um, uh, sorry to harp on about Kickstarter again, but the great thing is that you you can save yourself a lot of money. You know, if you put a bad idea on there and it flops really badly, you might have hurt your ego a little bit, but it's actually saved you investing a huge amount of money in something that nobody likes. Which is, and which is and months thing. of your life, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Funny enough, the first... Before I launched Formcard, as I said, I just became like this. I just became possessed by the idea of running a Kickstarter campaign. And before I launched, before I launched Formcard, I came up with this really, really horrendous product for a bicycle, for a bicycle bag, actually. And I went full. The we did lots of prototypes. Me and a studio assistant, uh, Jamal, who's, who's a good friend, um, and. We, we, he never told me during the process how bad it was. It was only <laughs> afterwards. And thankfully, I never I never got it developed enough to put it on Kickstarter. So I never embarrassed myself. But had I done, it would have rapidly been slapped back in my face. So, um, but yeah, we can, we, you can get possessed by your own ideas. And I would always say to people, um, you know, you, you can just ask people's opinions and, and, and try and get people's honest honest. Uh, opinions about what what you're doing and whether they think it's a good thing and, and try and try and listen you know it's so hard though right because mm. typically when our friends ask us what we think of something really <laughs> what they're asking is for a pat on the back they're looking for group yeah. acceptance they're not yeah they're not as intellectually honest as it would as the question would sound right and so how yeah. do we get our friends to say you know how do we really signal to them no no you're not going to hurt yeah. my ego I actually want yeah. to know, right? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to get honest opinions from people. Sometimes the most critical friends, well, they can bring you down, obviously, but sometimes the most critical friends can actually be the most honest, but sometimes they're just being negative. Yeah, um, and that's hard to so, know which is which, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, <laughs> you just you just got to try and try and listen. And this is the problem. If you... If you it's a plus being possessed by your own ideas. And as I say, like, I just, I really get into my own ideas and I think and think and think about them a lot. I obsess about things. And that's a good thing in some ways, because it means you are like, you know, chewing it, really, really chewing it down and chewing it over. But obviously in that same, you know, that's a curse of that is that you're kind of possessed by it at the same time. Um, I'll give a, a, an a good example, actually, with, uh, with my students the, the, in the first year I was teaching. I think this is my third year. Um, I got them all to do short videos to explain their products. We were working for a furniture company, SCP, 
and I got them to explain and make a little presentation video of each of their products, just one minute long. And one of the students, a guy called Max Randall, is a great designer now, um, he he made this video which I found really offensive, really, really, really loud music and really fast cuts. And it was really like in your face for a quite a sort of quiet piece of furniture. And we did a digest of the videos and I basically just laid into him on this video. Like, why are you doing it? It's a great product, this terrible video. And we did a vote and all the young students, they loved it. Everybody else loved it. <laughs> and that, and, and it was fascinating. And I just, at that point, just, just from the numbers of people, the way it was voting, you just had to say, okay, I'm wrong. Like that video, like young people like that video. <laughs> I still think it was terrible. Sorry, Max. <laughs> but it's interesting if we're building something just for us, you know, like when I do get the chance to do art, a lot of times I'm doing art that I want on my wall. Right. right. Versus are you making something for others? And, uh, at that point, it's yeah. more than just our opinion that matters if it's not just for us, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, it's funny you should say that. Like, I, thinking about that now, I would never make a piece of art for myself. Um, I'm always thinking about other people. So I'm doing a show in, in New York soon, and I'm not, I would never have these things in my house. I would never make something so strange or complicated. And it's, a, I think that's a kind of, designer mentality where it's different different to an artist a designer mentality where i want to make something for a different situation and for a different person um to to make someone else think about something um i, I really like the object but for my home i would i would just yeah i would not have something like that in my home <laughs> but but it's it's interesting right that like you know i remember I remember hearing somebody, you know, earlier on in my entrepreneurial days, maybe 15 years ago and, or even a bit earlier. Um, and they were trying to say something about like, you know, if you owned a Ford car dealership, can you imagine driving any other vehicle? What would that be saying to your, to your customers? And I'm like, are you kidding? If I had enough money to own a Ford car dealership, I would for sure be driving a Ferrari. Like, do you think that driving a Ford would somehow mislead anyone that, it is better. It's going to be a higher performance vehicle than a Ferrari. Like, give me a break. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to make stuff that's for other people. Like, I think there's a huge entrepreneurial advantage of solving your own problem because then you, you know, the product market fit, you're a good judge on it. Right. Mm. But like, strange marketing messages. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to, I guess, I, I guess I do feel like there are so many problems when, I'm trying to make something for someone else if I start relying on my own opinion, right? When it's not necessarily yeah. for me and then I over rely on my yeah. opinion, but I wasn't actually building it for me, you know? Yeah. I have this weird thing that I'm, um, I'm actually really good at impressions, particularly of, of people that I know. I can, okay. I can really, really get them. And uh, the way that that takes place in my mind, I have a very, very clear vision of um, what they're thinking and and I, I really kind of get people on certain levels and I can kind of sort of regurgitate that what's going through their mind when they do this little snippet of whatever they're going to do at that moment I think that's what impressionists do I'm quite certain of that it's sort of weird weird kind of it's like evil empathy of some sort and um, when I'm thinking about a product it's not so much or an object in general when I'm not so much thinking about me I kind of 
get into the mind of someone else looking at it quite clearly, um, be that a small manufactured product or a piece in a gallery. And and I'm usually I sort of switch into that sort of <laughs> like body switching. Um, as I say, it's not for me. I'm not thinking about making something for me. I'm thinking about these people would like this. Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's like being a method actor, but just so you can think through the yeah. design, huh? Yeah, something like that. I yeah. love it. Funny. Well, we Funny. appreciate you making time to come on the show. Um, again, a big fan yeah. of the, the things you've been inventing. And, you know, everybody should go to formcard.com or go to Amazon and buy their own. Um, anything else as far as people connecting with you on social or anything else you want to p- put out there? Oh my God. Um, anyone in New York? I've got a show there January 10th. Um, Where at? Please, uh, uh, Friedman Bender Gallery, which is a very nice gallery in Chelsea. Um, and yeah, yeah, you look at petermarigold.com. You can look at my sort of quite diverse range of things I'm working on. Um, yeah, nice to chat to you, Jess. Uh, really, really interesting to connecting with all different kinds of people (laughs) i love it thanks again thanks a lot hi welcome to the subway ad for 2.99 subs how would you like it uh i'll take drill sergeant please you got it all right now listen up i want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six inch meatball marinara cold cut combo veggie delight or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just 2.99 each Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.